Welcome to Asian Film Express, a podcast where we talk about Asian and Asian American representation in films or the lack thereof. I am Hannah Chan, your host, and today we are discussing Burning, a Korean mystery drama film released in 2018, directed by Lee Chang Dong. Instead of going into an American film and talk about Asian and Asian American representation in it, I want to go into a Korean film. This is sort of related to our last film, Minari, since it stars the same actor, Steven Yeun. Let's get into it. A little background on the film. Burning is based on the short story Barn Burning by Haruki Murakami, featured in the collection The Elephant Vanishes. The short story consists of a 31-year-old married man and a 20-year-old woman beginning a casual and ambiguous relationship. The woman, who is an amateur mime, leaves Japan for Algeria. When she returns, she is with a Japanese boyfriend. One day, the woman and the boyfriend visit the man and the three drink and smoke marijuana. The woman falls asleep and the two men continues to converse. The boyfriend reveals that every two months, he has the need to burn a barn down. The man asks why he does it, and the boyfriend replies that he feels morally obligated to do so, and he picks the barn by its condition. After the woman and boyfriend leave, the man became curious and spends the next few days scouting for possible barns nearby that the boyfriend might choose to burn. After a month of visiting the barns every morning for arson, the man finds nothing. He meets the boyfriend again later on and asks whether he burned a barn recently. The boyfriend says he did a month ago. He then proceeds to ask about the woman, asking if the man has seen the woman recently. Both the man and the boyfriend haven't seen the woman for a while. When the man checks her apartment, he realizes that her mailbox is filled with flyers and a new name has replaced the woman on the door. She has disappeared. The man continues his daily routine and sometimes thinks about Barnes burning. The film follows a similar plot of Jung Soo, an aspiring writer working as a delivery man, runs into his childhood friend Haimi. They begin an unclear relationship, and Haimi soon leaves for Kenya and asks Jung Soo to feed her cat while she's gone. When she returns, she introduces Jung Soo to Ben, a mysterious man she met during her trip. Jungsoo envies Ben while Haimi is drawn to Ben and starts distancing herself from Jungsoo. From his interaction with Ben, Jungsoo becomes suspicious of him, especially when Haimi suddenly vanishes. After some research, I realized that William Faulkner, an American author who is mentioned several times in the film as Jungsoo's favorite writer, also wrote a short story called Barn Burning. The film incorporated some details from Faulkner's story with Murakami's story, like the protagonist's father is in court and eventually being convicted for a crime. However, the film is still largely based on Murakami's barn burning. The film was so confusing the first time I watched it. There are so many symbolisms in this movie and each of them draws the audience into the mindset of Jungsu more and more. The first I want to mention is Little Hunger vs. Great Hunger that Haimi mentions at the beginning of the film. 
Little hunger embodies the physical need, such as the need of food and water, whereas great hunger embodies the search for the meaning of life. Through Jiangsu, Heimi, and Ben's character, we can interpret that Jiangsu represents little hunger, the emptiness of physical needs. As a college graduate, he can barely make a living for himself, and he has some familial issues on top of that. This crave for physical fulfillment can also be seen from his frequent masturbation in Heimi's apartment. Ben represents great hunger, the emptiness of the mind. He is well off compared to Jungsu and Heimi, but he seems to use girls like Heimi to pass time and entertain his boredom. The need to feel something is most noticeable when Ben reveals that he has the hobby of burning down a greenhouse every two months. Heimi is in the middle of little and great hunger, just like how she is drawn by both men. Through plastic surgery, traveling, and smoking marijuana, Heimi is trying to figure out the meaning of life despite her limited living arrangements. However, reality hits her time and time again, dragging her away from great hunger. Compared to Jungsu and Heimi's part-time jobs and barely making enough to feed themselves, Ben drives a Porsche, has his own apartment in the city, and attends social gatherings. He is the only one that actually has the time to seek out the meaning of life. For Jungsu and Heimi, the idea of the future alone is bleak. Therefore, great hunger is just an idea they tackle to tell themselves that life has a purpose. In the beginning, the conversation between Jungsu and Heimi about pantomime paved way for the rest of the movie. Heimi says she's been learning pantomime for fun. Jungsu comments that she is talented, but she replies that it has nothing to do with talent. She demonstrates by eating a tangerine and says the key is to forget that there isn't one. This idea is very important and could be applied to many things later on. There are things you can and can't see embedded throughout the movie. The tangerine, boil the cat, the well that Hamy fell into, the greenhouses, Hamy, or the meaning of life. Directorly explicitly informs the audience about these hints and urges us to look for the answers in the following two hours. Don't think that there's a tangerine there. Just forget that there isn't one. Don't think Hamy is gone. Just forget that Hamy exists. Don't think that life has a meaning. Just forget that life doesn't have a meaning. That is the essence of life and how to continue to live. Ben waltzes into Jungsu and Hamy's life with his confidence and undeniable presence. Wherever he is, he is able to take control of the situation. Ben is still a very mysterious person after the film has ended. He seems to have a god complex, overlooking everything else from a higher ground. This can be seen from his cooking metaphor and how he describes himself as rain. The Great Gatsby is a great parallel to Ben. Their ending is also pretty similar, both dying with little influence to the world, perishing silently like how they appeared. However, is the last scene of the movie real? And did Ben kill Hamy like the film would want us to believe? Everything seems to point towards this direction. 
the accessories in his bathroom, how the stray cat he adopted responds to Boyle, and his greenhouse burning metaphor. With some kerosene and a lit match, it could be burnt down in less than 10 minutes. For Ben who treats work as play, standing on top of the social pyramid, girls like Haney are just like the greenhouses he burns down. The police don't care about whether the greenhouse burns down, just like no one cares when Haney disappears. He is so privileged that he has never felt jealous and has never cried. He has to burn down greenhouses in order to feel something in his bones and to feel his heartbeat. However, for Jungsu, the woman that Ben toys with, specifically Haimi, is his greenhouse. She appeared into his life like the speckle of light that reaches Haimi's room once a day. She is the greenhouse where he can nurture his own sense of self. When Jungsu professes his love for Haimi to Ben, Ben just laughs it off. It provoked his sense of protection towards her. Something that is interchangeable for Ben is precisely what Jungsu cherishes. So when Haimi disappears, Jungsu's meaning of life seems to be so easily destroyed. In the film, Haimi can be seen as Jungsu's motivation for life in two ways. He falls in love with her, so she became what motivates him to continue to live. Or to go back to little hunger and great hunger, Haimi herself is the great hunger that Jungsu seeks. So he looked and looked and looked. When he realizes that his actions are meaningless to others, that was his last straw. Which brings us back to the reality of the ending again. I had no doubt that Ben is a serial killer until the last scene when he asked Jungsu where Haimi is. A killer won't ask that. That's very out of the blue. But come to think of it, the movie follows the view of Jungsu. Could everything we see just be under the assumption of Jungsu? Lee Changdong also slides in the little detail when Jungsu contact and met up with Haimi's colleague, the colleague is also wearing the same pink watch that Jungsu gave Haimi. So, what does this detail say? That the pink watch in Ben's bathroom might not even be Haimi's? Maybe Ben wasn't the killer. Also, maybe the last scene is just the story that Jungsu finally started writing because. The murder scene immediately follows Jungsu typing in Haimi's apartment. I don't know what I think anymore. I I need to watch this film again.
Last thing for this episode, I want to talk about Steven Yeun, the actor cast in both Burning and Minari as leading roles. His experience is pretty interesting as a Korean-American being involved in American and Korean projects. He first rose to fame for his role in The Walking Dead and earned critical acclaim for his role as Ben in Burning. His most notable Korean projects are Okja, working with director Bong Joon-ho, and Burning. Something I find pretty interesting about him is that for his role in Okja as Ben and Jacob and Minari, all three of these characters are all kind of westernized. Steven Yeun said in an interview himself that his broken Korean in Okja was intentional, and even though his Korean improved a lot for his latter roles, he still brought his, and I quote, Americanness to the roles. In Burning, he plays a full Korean, worked hard on the language and his physicality, but didn't wash away his Americanness. From the wealth and knowledge that Ben has, he seems to float above everyone else and consequentially have a certain emptiness that he has to live with. Something also worth noting is that Ben is the only Western name in Burning. Initially, I thought using an English name gives a certain superiority to the character, and I wanted to maybe tackle that point, but Steven Yen mentioned in a Q&A session that using a Western name is pretty normal in Korea, especially for those who traveled a lot and have a worldly view. Even though his nationality plays a role in his casting, Steven Yen expressed that it's nice in his Korean project that instead of being thought as an Asian serial killer, he is just a serial killer. Or is he? In the end, he just wants to be seen as a human being. And I think that's a nice note to think about for the film industry. Lastly, I just want to mention that he is the first Asian American to receive a nomination for the Academy Award for Best Actor. So we'll see in April, at the end of April, if he wins. I hope he does. That's all we have today. Thank you for listening. Hope you'll come back for future episodes for more Asian and Asian American discussions. If you want to become better allies for the Asian community, please consider helping monetarily, such as donating to Stop AAPI Hate or visit Anti-Asian Violence Resources. I'll put the links in the description. We can change the world one film at a time.